3: Welcome to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with Jillian Music, the co founder of Moz. Together, we're serial entrepreneurs helping tech companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. You can find out more at OutlinesVenture.com. Good morning, Jillian, and happy holidays. Thanks, and Happy holiday to you as well. Getting to be brisk here in the Northern Hemisphere. You bet it is. So, you know, it's the end of the year, and it would seem a good idea to take a look at some of our most popular episodes and maybe re- uh, go back to a couple of them um, for people who might have missed them the first time around. And- oh, you
4: know my favorite subject, right? Oh, yeah. You're building your brand community. How did that one fare?
3: that was one of our most popular episodes according to the downloads from our many places where it can be downloaded so right. yeah let's have let's have a listen to um, building your brand community
4: e-commerce companies owners this show is for you so I would start with the USP the unique selling proposition for e-commerce and and it's just almost all is about the cash, right? You go for a brand product, you look for the lowest price, you go for it. And it's always, always the monsters, the Amazon's uh, overstock, those kinds of things. How do smaller and niche market e-commerce companies survive?
3: It can't be priced then. That's right. It's
4: not all about price. I totally agree. Um, I think it's about more than that. One, it's about meeting the needs of the consumer individually, but I think it's broader. I think the broader issue is around a brand community for these e-commerce websites. Now, we do have that path of least resistance of buying from where we bought before, so it isn't always about the exact dollar amount. right? If I am walking with... um, Uh, you know, a walking stick or something and I like to hike and do that, right? I will buy my walking stick from a particular provider because it's prettier or whatever and I I like the thing and and I like the vendor perhaps because I buy all of maybe my hiking equipment from who knows, you know, this particular vendor. All that's great, but my major concern is that in the end it does come down to price on the same brand unless I have a stronger connection with the vendor itself and that stronger connection doesn't really come from me to the vendor it comes from me to the other people who also buy products from that vendor so it comes down to a brand community for e-commerce websites Um, We did a lot of that at Moz. It was um, a B2B play, yes, but it was really kind of B2C in terms of the emotional quality of the communication between the people at Moz and the people who were buying the Moz service. I think we should talk something about that, Anne, uh, about how we build that brand community for e-commerce websites.
3: Absolutely. and I think that you can... Go into just some of the details that you did at Moz, even though it was a subscription, it was still e-commerce. Mm-hmm.
4: In this case, it was. Um, but the uh, the intriguing thing about it is there was somehow very retail oriented in how we connected to the individuals who were making the buying decisions, especially in the early days. Um, the industry of search didn't really exist, you know, it was just beginning, and so. As it became a thing, they were individual contributors to the community conversation around search engine optimization. It was a conversation around black hats and white hats and so on, and that was uh, the approach to the process, right? Were you going to go one way or another? Uh, there were conversations around the new forms of things as SEO moved on and acquired also social media, email marketing, all of these kinds of things in which the inbound uh, marketing uh, collection, if you will, had all of the elements. But still, all in told, it was all about this organic or inbound marketing group that had to decide uh, how the industry was about to be formed, right? These were the very earliest players. Some of them became titans of the industry, uh, and others became, if you will, mid-sized players. And, of course, there's now a groundswell of, again, smaller individual contributors who are individual consultants or perhaps have two or three colleagues who have a small company. It's very individual oriented rather than corporate structure oriented so if you're doing an e-commerce website and you're selling something that is you know a product that could be bought by anyone here's my hottest tip go after a specific target group even if your product could be used by everybody on the planet focus on why that product is perfect for people who have black hair or asthma or kids or have dogs. They're dog owners, right? Or whatever you want. Focus on a group of people who would specifically want to use this product and then connect them by talking about that sort of thing. Make sure they're talking to each other. I talk a lot about brand community around the world as you know. And What I keep saying is that it is like a circle with a dot in the middle and you are that dot in the middle And between everybody who exists in the dots around this outside circle, it's like a spoke, right? A single strand of hair forms a connection between you and the other guy out there who might be your customer, and another one comes back to you if that guy talks back to you. Cool, but you can break a strand of hair or two of them, that single spoke, very easily. But when that person begins to talk to the guy next to him about his experience at your place or with the product or what they're doing, bicyclists, dog owners, uh, mummy bloggers, all of these things, right? when they talk about the experience of being who they are and what they do and perhaps parenthetically how they use your product or service along with it, but mostly it's about their experience, they begin to form many more strands of hair, these spokes and connections, and it becomes a braid. You cannot break a braid by pulling at it, but you can break a single strand of hair or even two by pulling at it. So really, the connection is not between you, the vendor in the middle, and every person outside. Those are just the spokes. It's about that wheel, that braid of connections that they have with each other. And if one of them should begin to leave that community and no longer be part of it, right, part of the community of people who buy your stuff and do the things that they do together, right, and you are parenthetically part of their lives, right, if they begin to leave that group, they won't be pulled back by you. They will be pulled back by their colleagues, by that very strong thread of braided hair. I think that's the important strategic overview of what's going on here. So, tactically, how do you do it? I would yeah. find, yeah, I would find your customers where else they hang out, right? Those dog owners, well, they might buy the dog food from you, and you know the organic, this, that, and the next thing, but they're buying their dog walking services over at Rover. So you connect with over, uh, owners over at that website to share your US. Their customers, and you can do it through blog posts on their site, through special offers provided to their customers, email campaigns, online or offline events, whatever it is. But you connect with those guys. So we talked about that in terms of consulting, not just last week, right? Yep. We talked about that where you say, go to folks who offer what you don't offer that's in the same vein and make some connections. So you can both reach the same audience with more powerful offers. This is the same kind of idea designed for e-commerce. You go to other folks who offer ancillary products that serve target markets that would also want your product. Now, dog food, yeah, only the dog owners are after it. But even if you have a generic product, I don't know, a, a backgammon game, well, Focus on why this is a wonderful game for people with children, teaching them skill sets around, I don't know, strategy and counting and family time and all of those kinds of things. Then talk about how it's wonderful for, uh, I don't know, an older population that recalls these board games and it harkens to golden times and, and so on and so forth, right? Create small communities of target market specific groups around a particular product. Uh, There are so many folks who might use it. You could do it with, I don't know, the disabled community. It is something that they can engage in without having to get on a bicycle and, you know, go running, uh, whatever it takes. So, what I'm counseling tactically is find out where else your customers might hang out and create groups of people that are targeted to buy your product, not just trying to throw your product out to the general public
3: your customers talking to each other and making this strong braid that can't be uh, broken but a good part of that are if you have uh, developed uh, raving fans, fans who really really appreciate what you're doing you give them an opportunity to say that um, to other potential customers and that could come through a number of different ways but the idea is that they will actually do your selling for you because you have provided value to their life
4: Absolutely, I totally agree. So the concept of raving fans, we should give some credit where credit's due. Um, Raving Fans is a book uh, by Ken Blanchard written many many years ago and it discusses a number of um, uh, tactical case studies which he uh, researched over time and it had to do with the idea essentially of building this brand community even before the web existed and before we built those things online. So it's not a new concept. Um, He was talking, for example, about somebody who owned a gas station and people would buy gas and come out of their way to buy gas from this particular gas station. It had to do with the service. It had to do with the people, the corporate culture, all of the kinds of things that Anne and I talk about. It is translatable to the web. So if you own an e-commerce company, it isn't just saying, oh, and we donate 1% of our profits to such and such. That's nice, but it it does not seem to be a big uh, swayer in terms of who people will decide to do business with. In the end, it is not a key decision-making metric for your consumer. What is a key decision-making metric is the fact that somebody thinks that you are good people. So why would there be that disconnect? And the answer would be, I think, again, what Jay Baer talked about a few months ago, and we've mentioned just even last week, so we'll do it again. He wrote a book called Utility, Y-O-U-T-I-L-I-T-Y, and he talks about uh, replacing hype with help. It talks about being useful to the customer itself. Once you are useful to them, um, they become more connected to you and become part of your brand community and have a loyalty to working with you in the future. They want to see you succeed and they want to see you thrive because it suits them to have you thrive. It actually serves them to serve you. That makes all kinds of sense.
3: So to go back to um, I want to keep pulling you back to the examples from Moz because I think you did this extremely well. how did you create this kind of feeling of the usefulness that you created for the um, for your subscribers uh, that made them tell other people that they needed to subscribe to this. Right.
4: So it does begin with the corporate culture itself and that began with the word tag fee, T-A-G-F-E-E It stands for transparency, authenticity, generosity, fun, empathy, and exceptional work. It was the rudder in the water by which Moz was and is run and that makes all kinds of sense for having a good corporate culture but it translates directly to your marketing work It means that you are transparent and you are generous. When we did primary research and we discovered issues around search engine optimization, we shared it. Even when we weren't certain that we would be correct or right or whatever, we opened it up and we threw it out there and we asked others to participate. So the generosity and the empathy had to do with generously sharing what we had already uh, learned and we were empathetic knowing that our colleagues were as desperate for this information as we were. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy. We'll be right back.
2: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the
1: competition.
2: To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to for Moby Mantis. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at max speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
3: Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with Jillian Music. And for our year end wrap up, we're bringing back some of our most popular episodes for you. We just talked about e commerce and building your brand community. And another one that was very popular that was allied to that is future proofing your brand. What do you think, Jillian?
4: Oh, yeah, that's absolutely a good idea. Um, You know, as we think year to year, we kind of think, you know, what are we going to do next year? How am I going to be relevant next year? Let's let's take a listen to some of these things and see about how to future-proof your own brand. A lot of it has to do with understanding who's in the driver's seat, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, and that would be the customer.
4: Oh, yeah. Let's take a
3: listen. Future-proofing your brand. Why don't you
4: define it, Anne? What would future-proof mean?
3: Well, there's... What uh, Hanley said in his post on Mac, uh, McMurray TMG was if there's one constant in business, it's that no brand is immune to changes in market conditions. And he went on to list uh, some really big brands that have just stumbled in just this year and we're only, yeah. you know. In a, a small part of the way through this year um, is Kellogg's, okay? Cereals yeah. for uh, for almost 100 years. McDonald's Big Mac, although that one might mm-hmm. be just a hiccup, not a brand failure, because uh, the reports of uh, the Big Mac's demise were greatly exaggerated, as Mark Twain once <laughs> Thanks said. Thanks to Mark Twain, yes. <laughs> yes. However... What is relevant to the discussion um, that I wanted to have about this is that the McDonald's will be pulling the quarter pounder off the menu because it's who wants to say they really want a mass of meat smothered in cheese these days? It just doesn't work in the current um, way that people think in terms of health conscious food so
4: that's and, actually a, wait that's actually a huge shift in the process i mean you know that we always think that the health food trend is the purview of you know the well-to-do and those who have the time and inclination to think about such things and that the rest of the population of the united states and certainly even around the world uh, really don't give a rip And they just want food, not organic and this and that and the next thing. This is a major shift if people really don't want to walk in and ask for a quarter pounder.
3: I guess the ones that spend the most really don't. Uh, apparently that's what's going on. Other blips with brands were Radio Shack, which is now going into um, yes. uh it, it's it's uh, Chapter it's Eleven. Into, yeah, yeah, receivership. It's really sad uh-huh. receivership. That's the word I was looking for. And even yeah. Whole Foods has had to redefine its uh, its approach from you know whole paycheck. Uh, so oh, yeah. we, we have to ask what's going on. And the common theme that uh, that uh, we see in this uh, particular. Uh, litany of brands that are, are stumbling is relevance, or rather, lack of relevance. And okay, so some yeah.
4: of the examples, right? Um, Kellogg's, right? They're still yep. pushing, if you will, sugary and refined carbohydrate-laden cereals. All right, so not whole grains and things like that. All right. So the bit with a quarter pounder, we just talked about that, and that would be a major shift if large portions of the population, um, not just you know the hoity-toity and the white collars, are actually rethinking the kinds of foods they want to put in their bodies. Right Now, we're and, seeing, a could think, a continuing increase in obesity in the U.S. population, but perhaps that's turning the corner, and that's what McDonald's is seeing. And certainly, I would say at Radio Shack, they failed to um, kind of sense where the market was going, but then Best Buy has the same problem, and I don't know if they're going to be able to solve it either, right? And that's shopping online, especially for technology products, rather than shopping in shops.
3: Indeed. And one of the... Uh, the big problems with Radio Shack is that the market that they grew up on, that they cut their teeth on, and really built was the. Oh, uh, you remember the Heath kits and the the yes. kids who would build their own radios? Well,
4: oh my gosh, I did
3: it! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you did? Good for you. Yeah, my dad. And you're a girl. Mm. <laughs> so, but the Time point was is indeed. Yeah. <laughs> But the point is that the, they, that market doesn't exist anymore. The young people aren't doing that. They're buying, you know, ready-made electronics. And Radio Shack kind of lost its way. And now they're being acquired by a cell phone company I would say to yes keep the no. stores yes. open
4: right i would say yes and no Anne. um my youngest son evan um is a tech geek and a gamer and he and many many of his colleagues are building their own machines. still i was just helping evan build one in i guess it was early january this year um i was down at his place for hours at a time as we put stuff together so this is actually getting the case and getting the components this and that the difference is they do not need to go into a shop to discuss it with someone else to purchase it they discuss it with each other so they have a community of discussion because that's kind of part of the experience, talking to the pros type of thing. But now you have peer pros and they're part of your community online and then you go out and you purchase the item from any number of vendors online and it basically is all about the the almighty buck. Why would you pay more for it if you can get exactly the same brand and product elsewhere for less? And that's within reason. They do have some brand loyalties and they'll do things like buy the whole darn, I don't know, interiors or whatever from Best Buy and so on. But if Best Buy doesn't have exactly Exactly what they want, yeah. Well, we will go outside and get it from somewhere else. All I'm saying is the experience of being in the shop is now experienced online um, through chat boxes and uh, I don't know, through even voice uh, communications. I hear them talking about it while these guys are playing games. So huge differences are happening, shifts in the system,
3: right? And this brings me around to one of our favorite topics the internet has changed everything. And in yeah, terms no of brands, <laughs> right, you know, I mean, you know, where do you and I work? We work at the internet. Uh, but the the internet has changed brands in such a significant way, particularly, you mentioned chat boxes, uh, conversing with, with the, their communities and their friends. Well, there's an interesting study that uh, found that uh, it's Price Waterhouse Cooper that showed that eighty percent of customers look at reviews before a major purchase. So the the computers the uh, consumers are way more um, informed than ever, and they're li- less likely to stick to a brand just because they've seen the logo. But used Apple, to- Apple included. Well, Apple, I uh, you know how can you argue with eighty seven percent brand loyalty to the iPhone? You know, how can you argue that?
4: Right, culture habit. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. culture habit. yeah, and there is that habit, changing things. You know, the path of least resistance is not to change the process. And um, I think we talked about this on the show uh, just months ago when I finally moved over to a Google Android. And it's when Apple changed its interface so significantly that I said, you know what? If I have to learn a new interface, I'm just going to go learn a different interface. It wasn't going to be another Apple interface. I looked at it and went, this looks like an Android for heaven's sake. And I moved over and I tested out the Android for the first time. I don't know that I won't return to Apple. I don't know that I'll stick with Androids, but it was what pushed me over the edge. So the path of least resistance is to keep things similar. Interesting stuff.
3: Yeah, very interesting. And, you know, also um, not long ago we had Farrah Bostic from the Difference Engine talking about brand loyalty, which she defines it's just a habit. Um, the brands yes. can lose customers to whatever the new shiny object is. And in some ways, that kind of supports uh, what you're saying about, wow, now the iPhone looks more like an Android. You know, it's, it's an That's interesting, right. interesting idea. So I think the fundamental uh, point as we wind down this first segment of this show is is that uh, the customers really are in the driver's seat. And that has an enormous impact on brands and um, as uh, uh, Jay Baer told us in December when we interviewed him about utility you have to brands have to ask what can we do for the customers, not what can uh, they do for our business, which is kind of right. like 20th century thinking, what what can the customers do for us? Uh, yes,
4: right, and it really is the other way around. It's no longer one to the many, it's one to the one and among the ones they discuss it, uh, you, so it becomes difficult. Now, remember, uh, J- uh, Jason Bear is spelled B as in boy, A-E-R, so Jason Bear, in case you want to look him up, and Utility, his book, is called utility makes sense. And so why we'll o oh, utility?
3: You know, the customers really are in the driver's seat and what is the impact on brands if customers now um, have the ability to find out information quickly on the internet, to share stuff with their friends and uh, yeah. make uh, uh, pur- purchases that are not necessarily based on brand loyalty. Ernst & Young did a study uh, last year that showed that only 25% of U.S. consumers um, make decisions based on a brand loyalty. So, how do you how do you build a brand that that lasts? One of my favorite sources is Mark Hurst over at GoodExperience.com, and he's it's very simple. He said, "Ask them, ask your customers what they want," and so that kind of gets you down in the weeds. You know, get your knuckles into it. Find out what what they're doing. Um, so that was, would beg
4: the, yeah. but, but that would beg the requirement for a community and you and I talk about that all the time, right? You start with a corporate culture which is a community of the people inside the company who feel a certain way about the world itself and how to build something and what's important and then you spread that out and those who agree with you come and become your customers and those who agree with you and remain as your customers and so on become your community and then finally you have somebody to ask. You can't just kind of get out there, put an ad in the paper and say, hey, what do you
3: think, guys? Who's listening? Well, I think there's so the, a lot the of work behind it. Is, that, well, yeah, guess what? It's a lot of work. Yeah. You, can't, yeah. you can't just have your graphic designers, although I love graphic designers, sitting back there making pretty logos anymore. That doesn't do mm-hmm. the trick. Um, so you, your point really is well taken that you build a brand community um, and they those People in that community, those customers will become your advocates. They will become your brand ambassadors for you. Um, and those, that's the core group you want to be asking, you know, um, you want to be mm-hmm. communicating with. Right.
4: So, so there are two – but there are two pieces that we should look at here. And one is if you have such a community of people that like your brand at the moment and they will t- respond to you if you ask questions – you could say, hey, that's gold. What you do is you ask them, and they will help you not only know whether your stuff is good at the moment, but they will tell you what to build next. It's what they want next. That makes all kinds of sense until you look at Apple. Right. Steve Jobs said, they can't even imagine what I know they need. Exactly. Right. So, so how so do you manage it then?
3: I think it's not as simple as... As just asking them, do you want a phone that's a little computer that you can carry in your pocket? Because before the iPhone, who among us thought that we could even get our heads around that idea? Of That's right. that We now carry something in our pocket that has more um, tech in it than Apollo 13. So that,
4: That's right. So, yes, I, I keep thinking about that, right? We set people to the moon with less power than sits in our pocket on a daily basis. But who would have thought that the Internet itself would be so ubiquitous and hotspots would be everywhere and that uh, the Wi-Fi sent through on our cell phone services would be sufficient that in cities around the world, never mind in rural areas as well in many places, right, you can get enough service that it makes sense to put that little computer into your pocket and carry it
3: around and use it so
4: you know all circle, those things
3: didn't exist. i want to circle back to a question that you asked mm-hmm. um uh is is how do we do this how do brands do this and um mm-hmm. there was an interview on mckenzie with lorraine tohill who's the senior mm-hmm. vp of global marketing at google now there's a company that knows a thing or two about branding and failing fast uh, because yes. they throw a lot at the wall and the Google graveyard is littered with uh, projects that they tried and dropped quickly. And one of, one of the things that she points out on this, um, uh, on this topic of how do you know, how do you, how do you do that? She said, you need to um, know your customers and you need to know the magic and then connect the two. So what am I talking about? The magic, You're knowing your customers, pretty obvious. Um, But the magic is what she says is what's in the hearts and minds of your engineers? What are they building? And if you can create the If you can connect those two between what your customers, understanding your customers and how you can help them, and that's different from what they can do for you, as we said in the previous segment, and then know the magic of what the engineers, who are very creative people, um, what they're building, then you create relevance to your marketplace.
4: Absolutely. I'm going to backtrack a little bit for those who were curious about what the uh, Google Graveyard looks like. It was Google Reader. It went from 2004 to 2013. had quite a lifestyle. Okay? But in 2013, yeah. they ditched it. And then it was iGoogle. went from 2005 to 2013 as well. They ditched several things that year. The Google Labs, 2002 to 2011. Google Wave, 2009 to 2012. And Google Video. 2005 to 2012 so you know quite a lot of stuff sitting around and that's just kind of the cream of the crop that's the stuff that we actually got to know about some stuff they ditched before they ever got that far We'd like to thank our producers at webmasterradio.fm for their continuing support. You can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and so many other places around the web. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy. You can find out about how we help companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at OutlinesVenture.com. Till next week.